Hey guys. Hey guys. <laughs> this is Half Torah. And we're back here for Vayishla. We back. We know you've been waiting. We even though we waiting. haven't figured out how to post it yet. So you're going to get both of these at the same time. We'll figure it out. We will yeah. for all of you guys. Hopefully this is going to be a little quieter than last week. Um, yeah, we is- commandeered the office. Shout out yeah. to Ariella and Brooke. They hate us now. Please don't. We love you guys. Thanks. Yeah, all the love. But also, everyone's just so freaking loud. So. It's true. Like, you'd oh, think yeah. it's night seder. It's time to dedicate yourself to Torah and sure. learning. And some people just don't understand how to do that quietly and internally. Honestly, like, nobody here concentrates during night seder and it pisses me off. No okay. one here. You and Rob Buechler both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's true. This has just become, like, a roasting session. Yeah, we're time. not trying to roast anyone. It's just the truth. But we are. Is it a roast if it's the truth? Like, I mean, I feel like that's better you know than, like, a, than, like, a Lushan Hara fake roast. I mean, roasts are usually true. True. That's what makes them so good. True. Hot roasts. Oh, yeah, you know. Pot roasts. salty. Mm. Ooh! Ooh! You guys just heard straight fire coming from Abigail's mouth. Why did that be roasting? Oh, my God. It's almost Hanukkah. Oh, yes. Almost Hanukkah. Almost Hanukkah. Fire. 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 Straight fire. We're about to le- read some more fire by Dr. Moshe Sokolo. Yeah, Sokolo. Sokolo. Wow. Wow. Dude, what's her last name? <laughs> Please um, comment down below <laughs> how to pronounce S-O-K-O-L-O-W. So, by Ishlach. Asaph from Edom to Rome. Oh. Wow. That's cool, right? That because cool. this week's Parsha is, it has the whole plot of Yaakov and Asaph meeting up with the whole gift exchange and like, Asaph either giving Yaakov a kiss or, or a bite. him. Right. It's <laughs> a big old like, bite. Like, we don't know. Chazal reads into it. Shot doesn't. Yeah, like, possibly right? um, Hashem turns Yaakov's neck into stone. Have you heard that one? I have. Yaakov, yeah. Yeah, Asaph tries to bite him. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Bite ba- it. Uh, I was mm. thinking, ooh! Mm. Y'all, we're sorry if your ears are on fire right now. Just like, like <laughs> same wavelength constantly. It's Constant. scary. Yeah. Y'all are je- Don't be jealous. Yeah. Yo, I'm gonna listen to this later and be jealous. <laughs> I know. Like I'm jealous. Like, like, wow. wow, I wish I had friends like that. Oh wait, oh wait, oh wait. Thank God. Oh, Thank God. Yes. We're at seminary and have the chance to. Waste. Baruch Hashem. Okay. It's Mamish Hashgacha practice. Mamish. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, here we have Special guest Simone. Someone say hi to the viewers. Hi. That's Simone. Oh, recording this? Yeah. yeah. We have a it's a podcast. You're our first special guest. Welcome to Half Torah. Hello! Oh my god, I'm so honored. Mm-hmm. And who listens? We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, probably Rob Bugler. <laughs> we'll see. Um, thank you so much for having me. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to finish sweeping up, but like, invite me back anytime. Okay, we will. Not that we will do. This time, but whatever. <laughs> okay, let's dive right so in. Now I gotta yank oh, this door one more time. This door. Yank it. Yeah. Ready for the bang? Oh, I'm gonna do it. Ooh. No. <laughs> well, that was a fail. You heard it here first. We can't close our bomb shelter. Nope. What else is new? It's definitely still recording, right? It's still recording. Yeah, okay. don't worry. Okay, okay. Yeah, it has the red Oh, ooh. Thing. Wow. Your phone is just a recording studio at this point. That's right. Okay, you want to start? Yes. So we're going to read the prologue. The book of Obadia is an anomaly among the books of Tanakh. It is only one chapter long. It is also an anomalous... It is also anomalous in an additional sense. While we have few of the actual prophecies from such well-known prophets as Shmuel and Eliyahu, here we have a verbatim record of a prophet uh, so little known that exegetes... 
Um, exegetes. Yeah, I guess like exegesis. Yeah, yeah like, people. oop. Dr. Goldstein would know. That's true. Cannot even agree on who he was or when he lived. We shall attempt first to establish the literary and historical context of Ovadia and in the process make a significant point about the pro- provenance um, of prophetic or- oratory. Girl, lots of words. Lots. Um, following that identification, we will address the association between the prophecy of Ovadia and the clash between Yaakov and Aesop that evolves typologically through Talmudic, uh, Midrashic, and medieval literature. Finally, two appendices will briefly examine the link between Ovadia and proselytism, proselytism um, and between Ovadia and Birkat Haminim. Okay, well, so now we know that Ovadia is the prophet. It's the book that we're reading as the Haftorah yeah. for by Yishlach. Also, I just want to remind our listeners that this book is Mitocha Ohal. Um, it is a YU Magid book, and it's from Rabbi Daniel Z. Feldman and Stuart W. Halpern as the editors. Um, it's a compilation, as we said, Dr. Moshe Sokolo. Or yeah, this what? is his um, Dvar Torah yeah. on the Haftorah. Right. And so far, this book has been amazing. Plug, buy it on your local websites. All right. Walk into Koran if you could. Walk in. They got all the books. Not all. Not most things in English. There's not a market for that. That's true. But also, if you walk into the publishing house in Jerusalem, uh, we don't know where you guys live, but uh, they'll give you a discount. So they will. It's super chill. You don't have to mention us, though. Yeah. I mean, you could. Use use promo code HAFTORAH, 10% off. That'd be right. That's rather true. So, part one is dating Ovadia. Mm-hmm. Two views dominate the ex- exegetical discussion of Ovadia, Rashi and Ibn Ezra. So, A, Rashi shares the Talmudic Agadic view of Ovadia. Why did Ovadia prophesy uniquely on Edom and have no other prophecy? Our sages said Ovadia was an Edomite proselyte, as seen in Sanhedrin. God said, I shall undo them from within. Let Ovadia, who lived among two wicked people, Achav and Izebel, and yet was not influenced by them, come and exact what is due from Esav, who, in contrast, lived, amongst, lived among two righteous people, Yitzchak and Rivka, and yet was not influenced by them. Ooh. Mm-hmm. According to Chazal and Rashi, then, Ovadia, the prophet, is one and the same as Ovadia, the major, majordomo of Achav. Not really sure what that word is, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, ruler of the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, Ibn Ezra, however, rejects the identification, arguing, We cannot say that he is the one mentioned in the book of Malachim during the era of Ahav because Ovadia is called God-fearing. But if he were the prophet himself, how could he be called only God-fearing and not a prophet, since, prophets, since prophecy is the nobler of the two? Mm. Okay. Instead, Ibn Ezra offers an alternative identification. In my opinion, we heard a rumor refers to, the, to this prophet, Yermiyahu, Yeshayahu, and Amos, who all prophesied on Edom. Hence the use of the plural, we heard. Mm. Um, well, Ibn Ezra's opening remark, Lo Yadanu Doro, we know not his era, indicates a reservation of some sort. It is clear, nonetheless, nevertheless, that he would have us situate Ovadia within the larger historical context of the other prophets he mentions, all of whom lived considerably later than the Ovadia Bachav. Yeshayahu and Amos were roughly contemporaries, while Yermiyahu was even later. Um, all right, before we go on, we're going to say our opinions on who we're vibing with more here. Okay. I I happen to think that they're two separate Ovadias, but I like the idea mm-hmm. that they, like, Rashi thinks that this is the same Ovadia as in Malachim. Like, yeah. I think that that's interesting, but, like, it's I feel like it would have mentioned 
Also, I feel like Different Hayamim would have something to say about it, like the Chronicles, which mentions mm-hmm. everyone. I've never read it, and it's like on my list of things to do. But next podcast. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. So I think that it's two separate people. What about you? Um, I agree. And like speaking of what you said about Rashi, like it is really interesting, but I've just never like. Uh, subscribe to the law of conservation of characters like that whole situation where like mm-hmm. if it mentions like um, a servant it must be like Eliezer like in my opinion sometimes the Torah just doesn't see it necessary and I feel like here like what Rashi's quoting like Ibn Ezra says they would have probably called him a prophet right. if he was the prophet that we're talking about so mm-hmm. yeah it definitely does make it seem like they're not connected people mm-hmm. but yeah we'll see we'll see how this goes on okay um an independent approach. We propose here to take an independent approach to determining the dates of Ovadia, which we will then merge with the uh, exegetical record. We will compare the text of Ovadia with a very similar biblical text and evaluate their correspondences, uh, situating Ovadia within the literary and historical context that both of these texts reflect. The most striking correspondences to the text of Ovadia occur in the book of Yirmiyahu, chapter 49. Now all of you flip open your Tanakhs to... Um, Ovadia Perak Aleph and Yirmiyahu Perak Mem Tet and compare Ovadia Sukim Aleph through Tet Zion to Yirmiyahu uh, Mem Tet Zion through Yudbet. They're literally like each Pasuk, like like Zion and Aleph, like Yirmiyahu Zion and um, what was it, Ovadia? Ovadia. Ovadia Aleph, like just correspond each of them and compare yeah so we could do olive like we'll read you olive so olive chazon avadia ko amar adonai hashem uh adonai hashem uh la edom and then yirmiyahu la edom ko amar hashem so you could see it's kind of like parallel Definitely like it's parallel. the same thing probably yeah. that they're talking about um, the striking overall similarity, underlined by significant verbal and literary nuances it is highly reminiscent of the correspondences enjoyed by the text of hosh, hosh- Yeshayahu, uh, Amos, Hoshea, and Mika, Mika? Uh, four prophets who lived uh, at relative, relatively contemporaneous times. Logic dictates that just as the correspondences between Hoshea, uh, Yeshayahu, Amos, and Mika are best understood as a result of their contemporaneousness, uh, so should the correspondence between Ovadia and Yirmiyahu be accounted for by the assumption that they were contemporaries. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's, like, kind of crazy, like, also how because, they line up yeah, like that. Yeah, it's really very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like that historical context just doesn't match with what Rashi's saying about how yeah. he could have been one of the kings, like... Like, historically, or, during, it doesn't like, line up. Like, yeah. it doesn't line up. Like, you could... At this point, like, they were dying, like, normal people <laughs> like ages. Talking to Edom, honestly, I haven't read uh, Malachim in long enough to so really know the exact context, but... Um, yeah, it just doesn't seem like... It doesn't line up. Like, yeah. Something's not adding up. Okay. Um, so treating similarities in prophetic literature. The assumption of contemporaneousness is born out of significant observation of Don Isaac Abarbanel, or the Abarbanel, mm-hmm. that appears, not coincidentally, in his commentary on Yom Yahu, 4919. Behold, the text of this prophecy is the same as that of Avadya. How can this be? Did not our sages teach... That no, 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 mm-mm. Mm-mm, no. Two prophets <laughs> use the same style. Rather, this means that the other prophets did not prophesy in the same manner as Moshe. For Moshe received prophetically from God, not the subjects alone, but the actual words as well. Just as he heard them, so he wrote them verbatim in the Torah. Other prophets, however, in their prophecies, 
would see only the general outlines that God instructed them, and they would transmit and record them in their own words. Consequently, upon witnessing the same phenomenon, they would often knowingly phrase it in the same words and style as had been employed by other prophets. Mm, that's very interesting. Huh. According to Abarbanel, then, the fact that Ovadia and Yermia, who utilized the same words and style, indicates that they were witnessing the same phenomenon. Just what phenomenon was that? Mm, that's very interesting. That, that really, interesting. like, opens up, like, doors to, like, how, like, theories of why they yeah. sound so similar. Whoa. And it's interesting that he compares it to Moshe, who, like, obviously his nivua was very different mm-hmm. in general. And you can see that as, like, how the Torah is written versus, like, a book of yeah. Navi is also. Yeah. No, okay. 100%. Wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What whoa. you be doing? I hardly did any. But uh-uh, it's the I'm next thing. Let's see. Hold on. Okay, fine. Thank you. <laughs> look, look how long yours was. I, I didn't read this. I hope you guys are enjoying Abigail's voice because you're going to hear it for the next couple paragraphs. Oh, okay, fine. You guys better like it. <laughs> the historical context. If we knew nothing more about your Miyaho and Ovadia than what we can extract from the two chapters we excerpted bef- uh, above. Oop. Oop. Uh, maybe I shouldn't read. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Where would we place them chronologically? The answer is we would situate them in the context of a war that was being waged against Israel in the course of which Edom, shamefully disregarding its fraternal relationship to Israel, Mm -hmm. joined in the attack on Jerusalem. Adding insult to injury, the Edomites joined in the celebration over Israel's defeat, um, participated in the destruction of the walls of Jerusalem, and stood at the crossroads to either kill the survivors or to hand them over to their enemies. Um, All of this is um, Sinim Sukkim, actually, Mm -hmm. um, throughout Amos. Such events are are consistent with the biblical narratives of the Babylonian assault on Jerusalem in 586 BCE, in the books of Malachim and Yirmiyahu, as well as with the poetic references found in Echa. Um, as it says, God will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom, he will uncover your sins, and somewhat curiously in Psalm, or Psalm, as Kaliwa has told me, I've been saying it wrong, um, 137 verse 7, Recall, O Lord, on account of the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Raise it, raise it unto its foundation. We may then conclude the section by asserting that Ovadia was a contemporary of Yirmiyahu, prophesying at the close of the era of the first temple and may, like Yirmiyahu, have been an eyewitness to Edomite perfidy. I've heard that word definitely. Mm. He describes. Mm. We shall next observe how the sages extended that perfidy through their identification of the destroyers of the first temple with those who were later responsible for the destruction of the second temple. Wow. Part two. Wow. Ovadia, Asab, and Yaakov. Thank you. Um, so this is a quote from Ovadia, Perek Aleph Pasuk Kaf Aleph. Savior shall ascend Mount Zion, Mount Zion, uh, to judge the Mount of of Asab, and sovereignty shall be the Lord's. The biblical and rabbinic worldview saw the elimination of evil as a necessary prerequisite for the establishment of the dominion of God. Just as uh, just as this is symbolized in Ovadia by Mount Zion, Israel's judgment of Mount Asaph, uh, so too it is symbolized in Talmud and Midrash by the termination of the fraternal conflict between Yaakov and Asaph in this week's parsha. Hmm. The reunion confrontation between Yaakov and Asaph, narrated in Vayishlach, to which our text serves as a haftorah, triggered a clutch of historical and legendary associations for the sages of the Talmud and Midrash. Yaakov is Israel and subsequently Judaism, Esav, Edom, um, as Rome, Byzantium, and subsequently Christendom. 
uh, in light of this, it is not difficult to imagine the sages considering the destruction of the second temple as a reiteration of the destruction of the first temple and casting the, Rome, the Romans in the role of Edomites. Uh, scripture named Edom and history pointed at Rome. By the most elementary syllogism, the two became one. Rome. The earliest explicit evidence we have for this association appears in the wake of the Roman Emperor Hadrian's defeat of the forces of Bar Kokhba toward the middle of the, sec of the second century CE. The Jerusalem Talmud reports, Re Rabbi Yehuda Bar Eli said, uh, Rabbi would expound, would expound on the verse. Oh, Rabbi would expound on the verse. The voice is Yaakov's voice, but the, hand, but the hands are Asaph's hands. The voice of Yaakov cries out on account of what Asaph's hands did to him at Betar. Rabbi Akiva, in designating Bar Kokhba the Messianic king, invoked the verse, Darach Kokhba Miyakov, a star will step forth from Jacob, from um, Bamidbar, whose continuation includes the prognosis, he will annihilate the survivors of Ir. To the sages, Ir, a city par excellence, was none other than than Herbs Roma, the city of Rome, capital of the evil empire. His disciples followed, followed suit. Rabbi Meir punned the word Ramim uh, to pronounce Romaim and, and read Masha, Masa Romi for Moshe Doma. That's a dollar, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Duma. Yeah, Duma. Um, in Yeshayahu. Another student of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai referred to calling me from Seir, and the same verse designates um, Edom as Israel's final exile. More significantly, however, he is cited as coining the pro proverb, it is, it is a well-known axiom, Esav hates Yaakov. Other Tanaim adduced homilies supporting similar associations. On the Torah's description of the infant Esav as Adomi, ruddy complexion, uh, Rabbi Bar Rabbi Abba Bar uh, Kahana states, Kulo Shofech Damim, they are all bloodthirsty. And Rabbi Elazar Bar Yossi treats the Latin word senator as an abbreviation for three Hebrew words, Sone Nokem Unotar, hostile, vindictive, and vengeful. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> So okay, so there's this whole situation of Avadia, and then it's in comparison to Itzvanyaku. Yeah. So um, it's saying it's I think just trying to like link the two things, and they're saying that the confrontation that happens in this week's parsha between Esav and Yaakov is parallel to the future confrontation of um, the first Beit Hamikdash with the Edomites and the second Beit Hamikdash with the Romans. Okay. So and which both are um, are. Like, we're Yaakov, like, we're the descendants of Yaakov, and they're the descendants of Esau. So now it's saying oh, that, like, Esau's oh, been okay. bad from the start. Like, okay. they hate us. That makes sense. Okay, mm -hmm. so now Byzantium. When the Roman Empire in the 4th century under Emperor Constantine adopted Christianity, um, adopted Christianity, the identification of Esau as Rome extended to encompass Byzantium. A striking example of this identification occurs in a passage from the Nistarot Shal Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, a medieval apocalypse, which has been dated to the era of the Arab conquest of the land of Israel in the early 7th century. Here's the pertinent passage 
from that work. <laughs> the second king of Ishmael will conquer all the kingdoms. He will come to Jerusalem, and there he will bow to the God of Israel. He will wage war against the Edomites, Byzant- Byzantines, who will flee before him, and he will rule stoutly. He will be a lover of Israel. He will seal their breaches and the breaches of the temple. He will ev- excavate Mount Moriah and level it all off. He will summon Israel to construct the temple. In his days, Judah will be saved, and the flower of the son of David will blossom upon it. Mm. A similar identification is made in the liturgical poetry of that era. In the Piot by Shimon Bar Magus, Israel, 7th century, we find the following closing lines, which take Yitzchak's blessing to Yaakov in Bereshit as a prophetic prognosis. Yaakov heard, They will serve you and vow before you. Those apparitions be the master of the arrogant Edomites. May those who curse you be cursed, refers to the Aga, Agagite. And those who bless you will be blessed, refers to the Benjaminite. Benjaminite, like Benjamin. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Here, in addition to the standard identification of Edom with Rome, we are invited to make yet another insidious identification. Asaph as Amalek. Just as Haman the Agagite, Agag was the king of Amalek during the reign of King Shaul, who foolishly spared the antagonist's life, was brought down by Mordechai the Benjaminite. Yeah, you're right. Um, ostensibly a descendant of Shaul, so will contemporary Edom be humbled by Israel. What is that? Is there a piano? Oh, they're cleaning the face. Okay. The Holy Roman Empire. Okay, so what, so the Byzantine, like, Byzantine kind of, like, became a part of, like, the Roman, uh, like, they, like, since they adopted uh, adopted Christianity and whatever, like, they kind of joined together and linked, and they're considered a part of Edom, um, as they're also linked during that time with, like, the descendants of Haman and, like, stuff like that. I just think it's kind of, like, they need to get their story straight, maybe? Like, we can't just make Ace out of the, like, father of everyone who hates us. Right. Like, I think, I mean, maybe it's possible, but I... also, it's saying Ishmael as, like, separate... Yeah. Oh, that's true. I mean, yeah. but, like, to say, like, Asaph's, like, the father of Amalek, Rome, um, right. whatever, everything. It's a lot. It's a lot. Definitely, I agree. Okay, so the Holy Roman Empire. The fo- um, following the earlier paradigms of Edom, which is Rome, and Edom, which is Byzant- Byzantium, Ashkenazi biblical exegetes in the Middle Ages identified Edom with the Holy Roman Empire. So Rashi, for instance, interprets Echa, um, 4.22, as God will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom, he will uncover your sins. As follows, Yermiyahu prophesied about the destruction of the second temple, which would be destroyed by the Romans. In the same spirit, Rashi also identifies the fourth kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar's vision, whose downfall would usher in the messianic era with Rome, as in the days of these kings, while the kingdom of the Romans is... what? Well, the kingdom of the Romans is extent. Extant? Where? Right there. Is extant. Extant. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Manoach ben Chizkiah, um, who was the Chizkuni, um, who continued in the exegetical tradition of Rashi, notes similarly that a nation of fierce ca- um, con- countenance, this is the kingdom of Rome, to wit, at the end of days, whose evil, when evildoers perish, there will rise up a king of fierce countenance. Nachmanides, or the Ramban, too, is mm-hmm. heir to this exegetical tradition. Witness his commentary on Bereshit 47.1, locating his own contemporary situation within the typological framework recognized by Rashi and Daniel. As it says, I've already noted that Yaakov's descent to Egypt foreshadows our present exile at the hands of the fourth cre- creature, evil Rome. 
evil. So that's interesting. Like everything that's happening there, kind of it's it's like history repeats itself. That's what mm-hmm. they're trying to say. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While acknowledging the type, typo. Blah, blah, blah. Do you want you to take over now? The typology. Oh my god, we're up to the epilogue. Yeah, I know. Oh my god. Okay, we're almost done, guys. We're almost done. I can do this. Bear with us. While acknowledging the typology of Edom, which is Rome, Nachmanides seems somewhat ambivalent about the historical implications of that equation. On the one hand, he extends the equation backwards into a, an historical period that even precedes the birth of Esau. In commenting on the battle waged by Avram against four Mesopotamian kings, he identifies the Melchgaim, literally, the king of the nations, as follows. He was the king over various nations who made himself their chief and officer. This is an allusion to the king of Rome, who was set to rule over a city assembled from among many nations, Kittim, Edom, and others. On the other hand, he is critical of Rashi's blanket assertion of that equation. In the genealogical lists and king lists of Edom, he has following he has the following to say about Magdiel. Magdiel is Rome. This is Rashi's interpretation, but I find it unintelligible. If we were to say that it is a prophecy for the distant future, there were many kings who ruled over Edom until the Roman Empire. Furthermore, Rome is not a chieftain of Edom, but a large, fearsome and extremely powerful empire with no peer among kingdoms. Mm. Okay. He took all the arguments and threw them on the ground. Threw it on Okay, you should have done that. It's gonna be my head for the rest of the time. All right, epilogue. We made it, people. Woo! Let's sum it up. Woo! Uh, the continuing association of the of the biblical Asav Edom, Asav slash Edom. Uh, with Imperial Rome, Classical Byzantium, and Medieval uh, Holy Roman Empire, attest to the power of exegesis to perform the current and contemporary into the timeless and perpetual. Here, to close the main part of our study, are the opening lines from the famous poem by Yehuda Halevi um, that reflects the status of the land of Israel as part of the Crusader Kingdom of Jerusalem. They indicate that even in countries ruled by Islam, the equation of Edom with Rome and the anticipated destruction of Rome as the signal as the signal of ultimate redemption remain vibrant. Libiba <laughs> Mizrach. Oh, it does? Okay, I was about to like sigh and suck it up and you guys would have had to listen to me sound it out. My heart is in the east, and I am at the edge of the west. How can I possibly taste what I eat? How could it possibly please me? How can I keep my promise or ever fulfill my vow when Zion is held by Edom and I am bound by Arabia's chains? Wow. Wow. Um, fire. Really, though? Do you need to read this? Oh, yeah. Um, so now we're at the appendices? I guess. Obadiah and proselytism. Proselytism. Due to... Both the felicity of the name itself, Ovadia, servant of God, and the Talmudic tradition, see Sanhedrin 39b regarding Ovadia's ostensible conversation to Ju- conversion to Judaism. As we reported at the outset, the name Ovadia was frequently assumed by converts. One such convert was born in the Italian, in the southern Italian town of Opidu Luciano in uh, 1070, became a Catholic priest, and in 1102, inspired by the example of Archbishop Andreas of Bari, converted to Judaism. From the Cairo Geniza, which also yielded a copy of his uh, certificate of conversion, scholars have retrieved a most unique fragment in Ovadia's handwriting, the oldest known Hebrew manuscript with musical notations based on the well-known Gregor- Gregorian chants. That's actually, like, sick. Oh, yeah, That's a, seriously. What the heck? 
That Kairoganiza was just the best idea anyone has ever had. Like, it's crazy. That was a quick thought bubble. Popped. Another Ovadia another Ovadia corresponded with Maimonides, who wrote a a responsum, a chuva, uh, to to that proselyte, advising him that in spite of his non-Jewish birth, he was nevertheless entitled to recite the liturgical formula, Our God and the Gods of Our Ancestors. That's the um, Avot prayer in Shemona Esrei. Um, yeah, so he was, I, like, I yeah. learned this. He was, like, asking, like, can I say Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, like, our father, like, Avot, Abraham, mm-hmm. Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And, and then Rambam said back, whoever adopts Judaism and confesses uh, the unity of the divine name as it as it is prescribed in the Torah is counted among the disciples of Abraham, our father. Peace be with him. So we're saying, like, and yeah, we're saying, like, um, what's it called? He, he basically said back, like, yeah, you, you got it. Do it. Okay, just one last thing. Ovadia um, and Berchat Haminim, the association between Aesop Edom and Rome and Christendom that we elaborated on above leads to the consideration that the blessing recited against heretics, Berchat Haminim, borrows from the language of Ovadia. According to the Talmud, um, in Brachot, shortly after the destruction of the Second Temple, a blessing was inserted into the Amidah, the central daily prayer, condemning the activities of heretics. Um, Rabban Gamliel said to the sages in Yavne, Is there no one who knows how to formulate a blessing against heretics? Um, Shmuel the Lesser arose and formulated it. Shmuel the Lesser. The Lesser. While the precise literary formulation of that bracha has undergone considerable variation over the ensuing millennia, one enduring feature is the inclusion of the closing formula of the phrase, Machnia um, Zedim, who subdues the insolent. The link to Ovadia is forged by his reference to your insolence has begilded you. Begilded. Beguiled. Beguiled? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Just because the movie came out with that name. Oh. That's how I know how to pronounce it. See? Look at that. Learn every day. Mm-hmm. The extended association of Edom with Christianity is reflected in the earliest surviving text of the blessing in the liturgical rite followed in the land of Israel and retrieved from the Karaganiza. The phrase, here's the text, okay, the phrase also survives in the epithet, 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 Malchut Zadon, insolent kingdom, used to refer to oppressors of the Jewish people in general, but Rome in particular. Oh, like Zadim. Mm-hmm. Like Zadim. Wow. Shavar. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Okay, guys, we're done. Shkoyach. Shkoyach. We're gonna post this up. Hopefully. I mean, if you're hearing it, it will be posted. Yeah. We hope you guys enjoyed. Um, This was a less thought bubbly one, because this was mostly, like, history and Mm -hmm. fact-based, which, like, we can't really argue with yet. Right. Right. We don't have that kind of power yet. Yeah, you know it. We'll You'll have it one day. We'll see. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know. I feel like I, I have to let it settle in my mind. I feel like there were a lot of facts and like not everything registered. Like yeah, Rashi, Ibn Ezra, and then it was just like Abar- oh, these are like Kuni. Yeah, and like so many different time periods and like are these the same Ovadia and like let's mention random Ovadias like I don't see what one necessarily has to do with the other. Yeah, just they have the same name. Right, and and different missions. But I do, I mean, one thing that really stuck out to me, if you don't mind me saying, was the comparison to your Miyahu. Like, I thought that that was really cool. No, that was sick. Everyone get, actually get your Chumishes out. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, like, like, or I mean, Tanakhs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I meant, y'all. Go to Korin and get yourself a That'd be right, another plug. Uh, (laughs) No, but seriously, like, if, I feel like that's like the closest thing to proof. No, that, um, yeah. Yes, it's just 
literally like the same words, you know? I'm not obviously like the same message, the same vibe, the same, um, they're witnessing the same thing, or at least that seems very evident from the text. Yeah, so, 100%. Uh, yeah. And I think that that kind of goes against Rashi, honestly, so. Yeah. So, yeah. in conclusion, Abigail and I are Team Ibn Ezra. That's right. Forever. For today. For, oh, okay, forever. For, forever. Forever, regarding this. <laughs> we'll exactly. catch you next week. All right. With... Do you want the flip? Oh, no. I should never say that again. See you on the... The next See you after, like, you listen to Torah reading. Yeah, we hope you have a great Shabbos. I mean... I don't know when you're listening to this. Oh, and you can, you're welcome. If you Guys, can get one out of it, use this as a Dvar Torah. Students. That's right. Yeah, use this as a Dvar Torah. Really do. Like, right. you'll sound so smart if you pull out your Yirmiyahu and your Obadiah and you start comparing texts. Everyone loves that at the table, actually. Honestly, yeah. Everyone's <laughs> going to be like, wow, where'd you get this from? That's whack. Especially if you have two Koran Tanakhs in your hands. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, like, we're okay. not sponsored. Like, we're not sponsored. We don't even have any viewers. <laughs> Okay. I mean, listeners. I don't know. This is confusing. True. Well, this is just like a video. Uh, uh, not video. Uh, a voice memo diary for us. True. Oh, oh my God. God. Love. Woo! That was a bomb high five. Bomb y'all. high five. Okay. Oh Half tour out. Half tour out. Okay. Long thought bubble. Pops. Amen. Bye. Bye.